International Business Management Chapter 8 uh, talks about competitive strategy for an international business. It introduces us to the work of Michael Porter on competitiveness and strategy with his Five Forces Framework. This is a framework that was developed in order for businesses to use when aiming to position itself with rivals existing in the market. The Five Forces are as follows. One is rivalry between competitors. Second is the threat of new entrants and barriers to entry. The third is threat of substitutes. Fourth being bargaining power of buyers. And lastly, the bargaining powers of suppliers. To go over each one in brief, rivalry between competitors occurs when competitors are roughly of equal size to a particular business or if competitors are aggressive in their motive of seeking leadership. If there are high fixed costs, it provides competition to a particular business when there are high exit barriers due to large initial costs such as sunk costs and if the products being sold in the market are of low levels of differentiation basically means if the products are similar there'll be many businesses competing to sell the same product therefore differentiation could play a key part in a business gaining competitive advantage over its rivals the second is the threat of new entrants as well as barriers to entry this also occurs when there are high fixed costs involved when there's high experience and learning needed when there are non-scale based advantages when there's difficulty in accessing supply and distribution channels and when there's high differentiation and penetration costs involved next the threat of substitutes when there are substitutes which are goods that serve a similar purpose to a customer. It creates low switching costs. For example, if I wanted to travel by cab, I could. If I wanted to take a bus, I could. It would be pretty easy. So there's a low switching cost. Businesses to gain competitive advantage should create high switching costs. For example, Apple, they've created this whole ecosystem where if you buy one Apple product, it encourages you in every way to purchase other Apple products over competition because of the ease and accessibility within its entire ecosystem. Next, we have the bargaining power of buyers. This occurs when there are only a few buyers in the market. Therefore, each buyer has a large pool. If buyers can easily switch to a different supplier, which can occur if the product is somewhat homogeneous, if it's relatively cheap in order to switch, bargaining power of buyers is increased because they can easily just move from one business to another. Next would be bargaining power of suppliers. When there are few suppliers in the market, if there's a high switching cost for consumers, then suppliers have large bargaining power. This Fire Forces framework has a couple of criticisms that should not be neglected. Going over a few of them are one only relevant at the most appropriate level, not the whole industry. What do we mean by this? Well, it considers only a particular segment and not the entire of the market. For example, take low-cost airlines versus the entire global airline industry. Next, it assumes a lot of stability in the market. However, this is not true because markets now are very dynamic, and this framework was designed in 1985. Therefore, it cannot be practically applied in today's context. Next, in complementers. What do we mean by complementers? We mean that it takes industries in isolation, whereas in reality, products may have joint demand. Example, cars and petrol. Next, this framework assumes that firms must have vertical integration, either working backwards to acquire suppliers or forwards to be closer to buyers. However, outsourcing makes this irrelevant. The final criticism I want to go over is the Five Forces model does not consider the institution-specific determinants. By this I mean it neglects 
mechanics, the formal and informal rules of the game. Once analyzing the macro environment and the competitive forces, the company can use Porter's generic strategies to make strategic choices. There are four generic strategies in Porter's generic strategies model. One is cost leadership, the other is differentiation, and then focus strategies, which are focus cost and focus differentiation. In brief, cost leadership refers to reducing costs in non-key areas such as R&D marketing servicing and perhaps advertising to increase value and reduce price to a customer. The advantage of this is the same value can be delivered at a lower cost and it caters to a low-end market segment which in most cases is majority of population belong to low income groups so it delivers volume over quality basically it's quantity over quality a disadvantage of this is firms might have compromise on quality it makes it easy to replicate and other firms can copy the business and it overemphasizes on cost reductions if other firms reduce costs so it's basically follow the leader like a does this b also has to do this just so you can compete with a next is differentiation that means making your product unique in some way which allows customers to consider your product as more valuable over other competing product and this strategy uh, targets well-defined market segments who are willing to pay a premium for the product. This takes a low volume high profit margin approach and the advantages and disadvantages of this product can be as follows. The advantages are differentiating a product makes it harder to copy obviously and that allows a business to charge a premium price and gain higher profits. Disadvantages however is other firms eventually will catch up so it's not sustainable therefore it brings us to the next advantage for a firm cannot rely on it for long-term profit margin next we move on to focus strategies or niche strategies here a company focuses on serving the needs of a particular segment or a niche of the industry so if we take the entire book industry a niche strategy would be catering to fantasy stories for kids under 30 very specific this strategy has a narrow focus for example japanese shipbuilders tend to build high quality ships at high prices whereas scandinavian shipbuilders tend to narrow their focus to building icebreakers cruise ships and other specialized vehicles advantages of focus strategies are due to specialization competing firms will not be able to catch up it's very unlikely therefore another advantage is that firms can earn higher margins in the long term disadvantages however are that it's quite dangerous for a firm to focus focus on just a particular segment and as technology advances firms competing firms are likely to catch up and diminish all hopes of profits for a firm if a firm does not use one of these strategies they are stuck in the middle and does not have a clear strategy to compete in the industry and therefore will suffer from low profitability and profit growth next we identify the strengths and weaknesses of portal's positioning approach to strategy and explain the resource-based approach to competitiveness as an alternative mode of analysis and management so we move on to this by establishing vrio framework which stands for value rarity immutability and organization where the o can be substituted by n meaning non-substitutability which is uh, similar in terms of meaning value so we ask ourselves do the resources and capabilities that we have within our firm provide us with a potential competitive advantage over other firms. Rarity, when we consider, we aim to ask ourselves how valuable are the resources and capabilities we have. For example, if we have highly skilled managers that are rare to find in the industry, you can't find managers with the level of knowledge and expertise. So that gives us a competitive edge over those other firms. Immutability refers to direct duplication and substitution of a particular product or service. And it can be 
tangible or intangible for example if you consider intangible uh, motivated employees uh, tacit knowledge managerial talent motivation those all play a big factor next we move on to the O in the VRIO framework which stands for organization and this basically talks about how a company is organized develop and leverage the full potential of the company's resources and capabilities for example movie stars are rare assets that are hard to imitate but need an infrastructure of complementary assets such as makeup artists, directors, producers, managers, film crew to make sure that their talents are utilized effectively. Next, we move on, and we're concluding now, to the question of providing a platform for debating the relative strengths of positioning resource-based and institutional perspectives on achieving competitiveness. So basically the debates regarding this entire chapter. These debates are 1. Industry approach and resource-based approach should be used in tandem. 2. Complementary lenses to look through to gain useful insight. Next is resources and capabilities should be dynamic as if they remain static they will lose value over time. Next we ask ourselves should a firm's resources and capabilities be kept in-house or can they be outsourced? Should they be offshore? What are the limits and how do we avoid hollowing out the organization? Next we should ask ourselves do companies that do well domestically have what it takes succeed internationally. There is evidence that shows that additional capabilities are needed to succeed overseas, so not every mature company is successful. For example, Walmart withdrew from Germany and South Korea in the mid-2000s because it couldn't compete locally, even though Walmart is one of the biggest retailers in the world. Whereas IKEA found success with its innovative way of packaging and it grew internationally with one of the biggest players in its own market. And finally, informal and formal institutions greatly affect the shape of strategies and therefore the resource-based view cannot be used single-handedly since it downplays or neglects these formal and informal institutions. And with that, we conclude chapter 8.